All right, welcome to the Bike Pack Canada podcast with yours truly, Ryan Corey. I'm chatting this morning with uh, Cameron Dubé from Ontario. Since starting up the uh, Bike Pack Canada in January, um, I've seen Cam's name pop up a few t- times. He he reached out by email uh, in the very early days, uh, I believe, asking if there was a way to collaborate. Um, he was at the Alberta Rockies 700. And uh, he's an active contributor to the, the Ottawa Valley Bikepacking Collective Facebook page, which, uh, as far as I know now, is one of the few uh, dedicated bikepacking groups uh, for Canada uh, on Facebook right now. So he's engaged in the scene, and uh, being the inquisitive guy that I am, uh, I want to know more about Cam and, and what's going on with uh, the Ontario bikepacking scene. So welcome, Cam. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate the uh, opportunity. Thank you. For sure. So I, I guess the obvious question, Cam, is, is how did you get into bikepacking? Um, you know, I'd go back quite a few years, I guess, uh, just as a, a teenager and living out in the countryside here, uh, about two hours west of Ottawa. Uh, just the opportunity to throw your backpack on your back and take off on your bike. And uh, there'd be the odd overnight camping trip with buddies and that sort of thing. And through racing and that sort of thing in high school and and through college and then this scene kind of redeveloped itself again you know it emerged again um with the uh the uh frame bags and and so on it just seemed really uh really awesome what people were doing out there and the divide ride i think inspired a lot of a lot of this as well and pushing it that way so you know i just started kind of plucking away at getting the pieces of gear like everybody else i think whether it was making your own stuff at home out of dry bags and uh, and uh, straps or uh, saving up some coin to go grab some of the new stuff that was out there and emerging on the uh, on the market. So uh, I got family out east, and uh, some of the earlier bike pack trips that I did would have been in 2009, 2010, and it was just to either ride out to Halifax or fly out with my gear and, and bike back uh, on a yearly basis. So kind of got going that way, I guess. Okay, awesome. And uh, I, I was doing a little bit of research on you, and I, I saw that you are an instructor at uh, Algonquin College. What, what's, what do you do there? So we have two programs at Algonquin College in Pembroke uh, at the campus there. They're the uh, Outdoor Adventure Program and the Adventure Naturalist Program, and they're both diploma programs, two years in length. And uh, big picture, what we do is we train individuals to be guides in the adventure industry and uh, so they're outside 50 percent of the time be it uh, rock climbing or cycling Uh, we do mountain biking and cycle touring courses with them ice climbing hiking whitewater rafting kayaking you name it Um, and they work towards certifications in the industry to be instructors or guides and then the other half of their time is in class and it's a business diploma so they're getting uh, business skills Gotcha. And the, the school and, and where you're at, it's uh, Pembroke, right? Yeah, Pembroke. So an hour and a half west of Ottawa, right on the shores of the Ottawa River. Oh, wow. So if you're into rafting, that's uh, definitely a good place to be. It is. It's uh, it's the whitewater mecca for Canada. It's, uh, we equate it to the uh, the whistler of whitewater kayaking. It's all the, the top freestyle whitewater kayakers spend their summers here to play and train on the the waves of the mighty ottawa river so pretty fantastic my house is i'm five minutes to the 
some of the rapids uh, in Beechburg. So it's pretty fantastic. So I, I, I never made the connection. I had heard about uh, the Algonquin College through um, when I was taking ecotourism at uh, Mount Royal, well, which is now a uni- university. It was college at the time. Um, but there was only a few schools offering these sorts of programs. So Alg- Algonquin uh, uh, came onto the scene, and, and I never made the connection that you're pretty well right in or by Algonquin uh, Provincial Park. Is that right? Yeah, we're right there. The uh, the Eastern Gate, which would be uh, your access to places like the Barren Canyon and uh, Acre, which is one of the main gates. Um, Pembroke is 20 minutes from there. Okay, so you're sandwiched between the uh, Ottawa River and Algonquin Provincial Park. So um, you don't have mountains, but you've got a lot of uh, variety by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's it's no man's land up here, and it can be very easily too, just by driving 45 minutes uh north or west and and there's really no one around it's pretty awesome and uh, as soon as we cross the ottawa river here we're into quebec and uh that's where i've been spending a lot of my time lately riding and exploring there and it's truly a place to be uh, explored western quebec the the trail systems there for four wheelers just go on and on and on you could go all the way to get up to james bay if you want to (laughs) and not see many people at all so (laughs) pretty fantastic Cool. Well, I have to admit, uh, I think part of my motivation for, um, you know, connecting with you, I, I had reached out on on the the Ottawa Collective Facebook group there to to try to round up a few of you guys to chat to, and I, like I said, I think that my motivation was, uh, you know, with with being out in the West uh, in Alberta and butted right, be, you know, in between the Rocky Mountains here, I find that a lot of the conversation with events and routes is is all kind of centralized around this area, but you know that's not really the truth. There's there's a lot going on in, in Ontario and Quebec, and so I you know I think it's important to hear kind of more of the voices uh, you know from that scene. But I guess if you were to describe the the Ontario bikepacking these these days, you know, how would you describe it, Cam? Um. It exists. It's there, and it's uh, it's really active. Um, I think, like you said, a lot of the events and talk is is fairly mountain or western centric, and um, you know it's where a lot of things are going on and, and emerging. And we're kind of feeding off of that. And we could be a few paces back, I guess, would be the best way to explain it. Just with the idea of uh, the collective here coming together and. And looking at bigger routes to do and, uh, you know, cross-provincial routes to do out this way. Um, the, the, the terrain is there. The, the access, uh, you know, is there. And it's just a matter, I think, of uh, putting the right few people together to, to map something out and, and make it happen. There's, there's not really that uh, scene happening yet. Um, where the events are, are being organized and, and taking place. There's people out there kind of exploring the outer reaches of, of uh, Ottawa, you know, a few hours uh, into the Quebec side from there. And then the same what we're doing around here, uh, just up in the valley a bit, is kind of stretching our limbs out to see what's out there. And now we're realizing, wow, there is some mega potential out here to, to cut across Quebec and get into uh, you know, the Maritimes and, and start stretching some routes that way. So I, I think that's where we're at. And we'll probably see a couple events uh, maybe in the next couple of years 
uh, take fruition and, and we'll see something happen, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, that's kind of what we're working towards here. So if, if you, uh, you know, worked for Ontario tourism and you were to highlight bike packing regions in, in Ontario, at least how you've seen them, um, you know, what, what are kind of the key areas that you've experienced? So, um, the Colt route was newly established by uh, Miles Arbor. Uh, took the time this summer to uh, map it out in uh, in great detail, and and then go and do it and do a nice report on it as well. So that's probably the newest loop that's got some great buzz in this area, and you can really access it. Uh, I mean, from our end in Beechburg, you can get to Bancroft in about two hours, which is uh, a starting point if you want for the Colt loop. Um, and then anything between that Colt Loop and coming all the way east towards Ottawa and the Ottawa River, there's there's many multi-use trails that exist that uh, just need to be looped up. We've got the K&P Trail, which is the Kingston and Pembroke old rail line. Uh, we've got the Cataraki Trail, which is kind of a 100-kilometer old rail line running. Uh, it's going to come in perpendicular to the K&P, so there's, there's lots of options to just start linking things up, and I think that's what we're going to see in the next little bit here is is people just putting these nice big loops together. Uh, Algonquin Park, albeit you can't legally ride a bike in there, there's the rail line that cuts through the park. And uh, the, the park itself doesn't own the rail line. It's the rail line that still owns it, and they don't exactly patrol that too much anymore. And uh, All I can say is that it's uh, a really nice region. <laughs> <laughs> you bring up an interesting point. I, I was having a discussion with someone uh, last week about um, posting routes to uh, Bike Pack Canada, and I was doing it uh, initially, and I, I think some of the Algonquin stuff came up, but you, you kind of hit the nail on the head as to why I, I can't necessarily do it on, on a public page because you know, some of the best stuff or, or current stuff that's out there is not necessarily um, legal in a traditional sense. So, you know, that's that's why we started up the forum to have uh, those sorts of conversations. But, uh, you know, hopefully I, I think, you know, as more of us are getting out there that, uh, you know, the rail lines and the, the parks can start to work together a bit more and, and make these these sorts of routes legal because, you, like you said, it's abandoned, right? Like there's there's nothing else going on there? No, I mean, uh, uh, First Nations in the Algonquin region, they have access to uh, the park and other times of the year where they can hunt and fish. Um, so it's used uh, with uh, four-wheel, uh, four-by-fours, four four-wheelers essentially going up and down the rail line. Um, but it doesn't seem that busy. And the gates close uh, on the park come thanksgiving time canadian thanksgiving time and after that there's really not too much happening in uh in that park at all um, and the rail line cuts through the guts of the eastern portion of the north uh, and eastern portion of the park and it's really really fantastic part of the park to to, to experience especially growing up and uh, canoeing and camping in algonquin park for you know two week long trips as a kid and you'd go under the rail line and you'd portage on it with your canoe for a bit, but to actually rip through at that kind of speed and, and see it all from that angle is really quite something um, as a resource and a, and a possible amenity to the parks as well to utilize for tourism. Uh, 
it's big. Yeah. And newly, uh, newly discovered here in our region as well is, um, the, uh, the counties along the old rail line, the, uh, CP rail line from Smith's falls, which is South of Ottawa, all the way to North Bay. It's a 300 kilometer section of rail line that was just acquired by all the counties for multi-use trail. Um, so this is, this is going to be massive and it travels the length of the Ottawa river from South to North. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I was in Ontario for about five years and, um, you know, Southern Ontario, mind you, not, not necessarily up where you are, which, you know, starts to feel more like the wild Ontario. Um, but yeah, the rail trails were, seemed a lot more, uh, you know, obvious as far as multi-use, uh, bike packing, uh, trails, it's, it's quite a bit different than the, you know, the trails out this way, you know, minus what you get in Southern BC, but, uh, yeah, it looks like there's quite a few options uh, for for building those networks uh, for sure. Um, I'm just thinking, you, you know, you're you're an instructor at uh, Algonquin, and um, you know, I've been hearing over the years. I don't know if you know the name uh, Kurt Refsnyder um, out of the U.S. A big, you know, bike packer racer. He's kind of moved out of it now, but he he teaches at uh, uh, Prescott College, and and he's recently, I think, in the last couple of years. Uh, started up a bike packing specific course. I, I believe it has to do with the geology courses that he teaches, and uh, it got me wondering: is that is that something that you know you would incorporate into uh, you know the studies at the Algonquin? There is more of a uh, you know using the term bike packing and getting out on those kind of cycle tours. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's come up in discussions uh, in the last little bit. Um, some of our instructors that we have are avid cyclists, um, you know, our, our key instructors that teach a lot of the cycling and, uh, you know, they're bike packers as well. We've done some trips and events together and it, uh, it recently came up as, um, developing some, some gen ed courses around the idea of, um, not specific to bike packing, but using bikes to, uh, deliver a program or deliver um, some sort of course and, and the geology side of it came up as well with uh, the possibility of getting into Iceland with the students for uh, up to two weeks. So it'd be a means of uh, a gen ed geological course and we'd access the areas that we want to via uh, fat bikes that we'd be renting uh, in Iceland. So yeah, it has come up and, and the possibilities there. Kurt's uh, course, I think I ran across some uh, info on that a little while ago. And um, the possibility exists. I mean, our programs at the college here, we're upwards of 200 students between our two programs in the two years. And uh, they all learn how to mountain bike and instruct and, and they do some multi-day cycle touring stuff. Uh, so the interest is there and the market's there as well. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. So with uh, with your program, you know, teaching, um, you know, I, I the way I internalize it, at least how my program was, <clears throat> is uh, you know, giving people the tools to become professional guides or uh, you know, be entrepreneurs in the field. Um, you know, thinking along those lines, if 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 students were to go down the bike packing uh, entrepreneur route. From an instructor standpoint, do you see a need and or demand uh, to develop, um, what am I thinking, like um, certifications that are, are bikepacking specific, like when we're talking about guides uh, and that sort of thing? 
Yeah, I certainly think so. Um, and a lot of these types of certifications are uh, from from our experience in developing some of our other courses is, is just packaging the tools that the students learn from other courses like their wilderness first responder, for example, um, and their basic uh, and advanced uh, bicycle mechanic courses and just taking those certifications that they get and bundling it. Uh, and you can call it bikepacking guide, right? Because they have all of the essential tools required to plan and lead uh, a trip safely. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, Miles Arbor uh, is a perfect example. He just graduated last year from our program, and he went on to start sewing uh, bike bags, right? Screaming Beaver bike bags. And, uh, you know, he did the Cocopelli Trail, and that's what totally fired him up to get going. And he's in Kelowna now, and he's riding all the the backcountry roads there, figuring everything out. Uh, so that, that's just an example, I guess, of, um, of of where it can go with with people like that, which is pretty fantastic. So that opportunity to offer a, a specific certification as a bike packing guide, yeah, for sure. You just have to see what the, you know, any certification revolves around meeting the basic requirements and get those requirements to the students and make them successful at uh, at uh, attaining that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I ask because I, I think we're kind of on an interesting uh, precipice as far as the scene because you have, you know, you have this merging right now of, uh, you know, what has largely been kind of termed an underground scene with um, now bigger companies like uh, Trek and uh, Specialized and, you know, all these people making adventure bikes. So it's now a, a term that's it's on the consciousness. So you, you have this commercialization starting to happen. And, uh, you know, now I think you're going to start seeing more uh, guiding businesses and things like that. But, uh, you know, I, I ask you these questions because before you get into those sorts of businesses, you have to um, you have to really lay the groundwork as far as uh, certifications and, and, and guiding, because without those, you don't get a, a standard for um, insurance and permits and, and without those you don't get into the, the, the park so there's um, yeah there's some interesting pieces coming to play and uh, definitely I think you're you're in the mix so uh, I will definitely keep keep in the loop and, and asking where things are headed uh, in that regard um, so moving moving on here uh, I'm curious um, total tangent here but what are you seeing uh, in the way as far as um, bike shop uh support for for bike packing you know I, I know you mentioned miles doing his thing but you know he was largely uh you know out of his basement as i understand it selling online but uh, have you noticed any shops in your your region um you know really taking up bike packing whether it's offering tours or or really just the the gear yeah a bit, a bit of both um you know like I said, we, we're, we're a few paces back from the mainstream uh, scene that we could see uh, more so out west. But, uh, yeah, the shops around here, um, certainly in Ottawa, and uh, we have one very busy shop just north of us here in Petawawa, Gearheads Bikes. Um, yeah, they're carrying the gear, and, and uh, people are pretty intrigued about the idea of having a frame bag or even just a top tube feed bag and, uh, you know, just playing around with their gear a little bit and uh, maybe shaking the cobwebs out of their old gear and trying to, to fit it in those bags and uh, go for a, a little overnighter. And the shops are really supportive of them. I mean, they're, 
you know, they're, they're posting on their social media about a new order going in for, uh, you know, a Relevate order or something like that. And there's a lot of buzz online about it too. And it's, it's kind of neat because, you know, quite a few years ago, we go out for a hundred kilometer ride. We just smash everything into the, our Jersey pockets in the back and, and, you know, way down our Jersey <laughs> hanging down over our saddle. And now we can put a little top two bag on there and, uh, maybe a bit bigger of a seat bag and everything's, uh, you know, nice and tight on the bike and, and away we go. So we're, we're kind of seeing this stuff hanging off the bikes now. And we never saw that, uh, uh, you know, even just a few years ago, which is really interesting. Cool. So you're, you're talking about how you've, you feel kind of removed from, um, you know, the scene that's, that's happening in the West. Like you're, you're just starting up as, as you said. So I, I noticed, uh, you came out for the Alberta Rockies. You know, what, it was kind of funny for like those of us that are here. Um, I remember talking with organizer, uh, Jonathan, uh, Hayward and, you know, there was a couple of people from, uh, Italy and, um, I, I think the U S and we're like, geez, how, how are these people hearing about it and what's drawing them to this, uh, little, uh, first year race. So yeah, I'm curious what, what brought you out West for the event? Um, it, you know, it was a, really an excuse just to go back out West. <laughs> I lived out there for six years and, uh, you know, there's an, a certain affinity to the mountains that I think everyone has when they've spent some time out there. Um, so it was part of a bigger trip for this past summer and it's an easy excuse for me. So, uh, hooked up with an old buddy in Jasper. That's uh, a really big rider there with, and, uh, the director for the Jasper park cycling association there too. And, uh, he kind of sent me the email. He said, Hey, did you hear about this event coming up? And I was like, I have now let's, let's do it. So, uh, away we went and, uh, what a fantastic, uh, route that was coming from uh, flat Terrio here. My legs got smashed pretty good, uh, <laughs> but it was an absolute blast. Uh, I would love to go back and uh, I'd certainly do that event again. Some uh, really good buzz about the whole thing. It was, yeah, a really good time. And a part of the, uh, a part of the province that I had never seen right through the foothills. Uh, I'd been to Canmore area, but I mostly lived in uh, kind of the Sea to Sky corridor there, Squamish and Whistler and did university in Kamloops uh, in the interior a little bit more, but that foothills area I never spent much time. is pretty fantastic. And did I hear somewhere that you uh, were going to do it on a fat bike or you did do it on a fat bike? Uh, I was on my fat bike frame, but uh, I got a pair of uh, 29er uh, wheels done up with uh, the hubs to uh, to fit onto the my specialized fat boy. Uh, and I just ran the uh, uh, Maxxis Icons on there in the 29er format or platform. So it was a wicked ride. Tons of clearance if things got muddy, <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but yeah, rolled really well. It was a lot of fun. Cool. And what, uh, uh, how many days were you out on course and you know, what were some of the highlights? Uh, we were three days and just a few hours. Uh, I mean, the highlights was, uh, the, the, the climbing <laughs> for sure. I mean, just can't train for that around here. I, I tried and, uh, I mean, we fared out just fine. Um, but it was, um, uh, it was a great time just catching up with an old buddy too. Uh, that was really the, the highlight was riding, uh, with him through that terrain and, and just getting smoked, uh, on some of those great climbs, especially coming out of Nordeg on day one, we decided to keep going after we filled our faces at the, uh, the, uh, I think it was a little tourism, 
uh, spot there at the cafe, and we left at a five left at about five p.m. from there, and, and kept rolling, and just started getting into those uh, short steepies that were tons of fun until we decided to lay our heads down for the night. So it was uh, it, it wasn't a, a breakneck pace that we went at because you know we wanted to camp out fully throughout the nights and and not ride through the nights because a point of the trip was to just chat and catch up. I hadn't seen him in five years. So it was, uh, it was great. Ram falls, saw lots of Rams there and don't get to see those guys too often around here. So that was great. And, uh, a very welcomed beer in Canmore when we got there too. So, so you were, you were, uh, one of the few people to actually finish then. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We came into Coleman BC and, uh, filled our faces at that pub right at the finish line, which was great. And then, uh, drove back up to Jasper and we continued on with our, uh, trip from there. So yeah, it was a fantastic trip. The, I think the last, the most grueling that I can remember was the last few kilometers actually of the race, probably the last 30. It just didn't want to end. And, uh, we came around one corner and the gravel grader machinery was right there actively grading the road. <laughs> and it was just this, the softest, loosest, biggest chunks of gravel you could imagine for like the last 20 K. And that just was the, uh, the icing on the cake for me. Hmm. I, yeah, I know the gravel that you're talking about and where, where I encountered it. And I almost wonder if the grader came through afterwards, but, um, from Highwood House, so the turnoff uh, after Highwood or um, Highway Forty, basically all the way to Coleman, uh, it was that loose, yeah, loose gravel, and it was it the the road, you know, had it not had that, would have been you know pretty pretty easy, I think, roll in finish. But man, I'd, I'd never experienced anything like it. It was terrible. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, those people on the fat bikes would have been uh, loving it for sure. <laughs> So uh, I'm curious, I didn't, I didn't realize you wrote it with someone else. So, um, you know, for someone like for me that I, I have the hardest time riding with people, it's it's not that I don't enjoy company here and there, but I just find that I'm always in a place of suffering on these trips. And um, it's it's fine. To, it's hard to find someone that's on a similar wavelength Um and it can't, you know, necessarily, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're riding with someone that's a little bit faster, can kind of, uh, mess with you mentally a little bit or, and if they're slower. So, so how did, how did you guys, um, you know, cope with riding together? What was some of your strategies? Well, I was, I came into it very excited just to be able to, uh, like I said, previously spend, a, uh, you know, a few days, um, with my buddy, Matt, cause I hadn't seen him in five years. We grew up, um, guiding rafts on the Ottawa river back here. We worked together for five years on the river. And, and, uh, so we came into the event. It's like, okay, it's, we're not going to go breakneck speed. It's going to be uh ride until we want to camp and, and chill out at camp and, uh, and just kind of move together. And Matt is an extremely fast rider. There's no way if we were racing that I'd be even have him in my sights. Um, but on the other hand, this was his first bikepacking trip. So the it was a nice kind of yin and yang uh, feeling to it where I came in with some of my gear and, and uh, experience and, and showed him, you know, some of the ropes in terms of bikepacking and getting it all ready. And then he, on the other hand, I wasn't worried about him pushing the pedals for any length of time. Um, so it balanced itself out very nicely that way. 
Uh, so you mentioned a couple of events are, are in the pipeline. Anything for, for next year? Um, so coming in early February, um, I host a uh, 100-kilometer winter. Um, it's, it's a race. It's called the Wendigo Ultra. Um, so last year I did, I hosted the first one right out of, uh, Beachburg here and there's some buzz that people want to do it again for some reason. So I'm going to plan it again and people are going to come out and ride hundred K in uh, Ottawa Valley winter. Um, uh, and then, uh, lining myself up kind of, uh, into the season, I've got a few things on the horizon in terms of just personal goals and trips based right out of Beachburg here and, and, uh, into the Quebec side just to get to some more of the outer reaches uh that way i've been doing a little bit of research up around the trans tega highway and caniapisco reservoir dams and that sort of thing which is about you know 600 kilometers north and then 600 kilometers east from there to the end of the line in northern quebec um it's a pretty remote region not much going on there except if you're flying in to hunt caribou um and I've always wanted to do the Colorado Trail Race, so that's kind of on the horizon too. If I get a chance to get out there and uh, out west and and, uh, and and experience that race, I did a little bit of riding in Colorado, but uh, this would certainly be uh, a nice uh, a nice trip to do, I think, and and, and check out that event. Well, that that you just it took things up a whole new notch from the Alberta Rockies to, to taking on the the Colorado Trail, so. Uh, Good good luck in the flat Ontario uh, <laughs> training. I might I might put a few weights in a backpack. Uh, leading oh yeah, that one. Yeah. So you, you know, I I, I think it was you. You reached out like I, I started up Bike Pack uh, Canada. I believe it was in January, and uh, kind of rounding back to that that conversation. I, I believe you reached out um, looking for ways to collaborate or partner and. You know, with a with a year under our collective belts, is there any things that jump out to you in particular for you know the the Ontario and the the Western folk t- people to, to to kind of come together in the middle and collaborate on, or things you'd like to see start happening as far as the conversation or uh, events or, or really anything? Um, no, I think as long as the energy keeps keeps going the way it is it's great energy all across the board um and and keeping that western uh energy building and building so that it pushes itself this way more because uh, there really is the opportunity right here in the ottawa valley to start establishing you know some trans province routes and pushing itself towards the east uh i just created uh a little bit of a thread online uh, to try and get some guys in Quebec thinking about a route that would cross the province or at least establish an idea of a route that would work and then move its way into New Brunswick. And I don't know if you've been to New Brunswick before, but I think there's probably more ATV trail there per kilometer than anywhere else in Canada. So getting across that province wouldn't be an issue uh, into Nova Scotia, which I mean, it's just beautiful. I've spent a few weeks there um in the summers for the past number of years and and uh the opportunity there as well for something north to south in nova scotia would just be an incredible ride i mean it's it's coastal it's super hilly um you know it's it's just fantastic terrain so i think if we can start getting word more east about hey 
you know, these locals, they know the routes, they know the back, the back country. Uh, it's just a matter of getting those GPX files loaded up and being able to link things together. That, that seems to be the hardest thing to do. So I, you know, whenever I hear of bike tourism uh, in Quebec, the route vert uh, comes up all the time. Is is that uh, a reasonable way to sort of link Ontario um, with with further east? Do you think? Certainly, I think it's the most solid starting point we have. I mean, I uh, as I mentioned previously, there. I mean, I think I've ridden out out east, or I've ridden from the east back here six times now, and I've always tried to make it as off road as possible. Uh, and I've used that green route extensively, and it's just fantastic. It's it's so well put together. The the map book, which you don't even need, but it's really well done. Um, you know, if you're heading east, you just kind of keep heading east on your uh, GPS, and you're going to link up the green route no problem. Uh, it's a really solid starting point. New Brunswick actually has a similar trail system put together too. It's just not as extensive. Um, and then moving into Nova Scotia, they've got a bunch of old. Um, rail lines and uh, trails like rail lines that uh, exist but nothing's formalized there so it kind of seems like the more east you move the less formalized things are but it's definitely all present it's all there just ready to be mapped out Um, but like you said the green route unbelievable route it's fantastic gotcha and i was just thinking about uh, the event that you mentioned uh, the winter winter race or uh, event or whatever you want to call it the 100k when you organize something like that um, especially you know coming from an instructor background and kind of knowing all the ins and outs do you do you feel more compelled to um, offer support on those types of races like aid stations or is this a very much a a self-supported on your own uh, adventure it is. There's a couple checkpoints that are mandatory, much like you'd find at uh, the Arrowhead uh, Ultra or the Tuscobia. Um, and as I gain access to more rail line and other trails to use, I'll hopefully extend the distances. Um, but no, I don't feel compelled to offer more. Uh, I, I try to keep this event in the in the, the true essence of uh, a self-supported. Uh, you are out there on your own style event um, and just by having those simple checkpoints for people to stop say their name and number if they want to and they can keep going uh, or I have those checkpoints uh, in a small community and like the other events out there they can utilize the uh, amenities in the community if they want to to buy food or or what have you so uh, yeah well it, it opens up a uh kind of an interesting tangent so i'm thinking back to my ecotourism studies and uh you know whenever we were talking about uh going the entrepreneur route quite often um the issue of liability always came up um and that insurance costs were quite prohibitive for for many people to to get into uh you know offering the sorts of businesses that they wanted to so you know you knowing what you know do you see any challenges for the the bikepacking world as far as liability? Do you see Ontario being accommodating to um, you know operating events and opening routes? You know what what do you see on the liability frontier, or what sort of things should we be thinking of? You know nothing. 
nothing big in in terms of of trends comes to mind or or erupting uh, um, issues come come to mind really I mean a lot of these events stem on the idea of um, you know planning and preparation beforehand and educating the potential racer or uh, you know if it's not a race then the, the rider educating them appropriately uh, beforehand and that can mean you know having a solid waiver done uh, you know your online presence and information going out to those riders and or racers saying you know you are out there you're on your own um, you know and all that kind of wordage uh, having it appropriately available and obvious to to the uh, potential riders and racers um, you know abiding by what already exists for mandatory gear lists from well-established events, you know, like the Arrowhead and the Tuscobia, their, their gear list, mandatory gear list is, is widely used across many other events. Right. And that's basically what a standard is, is, is what's accepted within the industry. And, and that's one of those things is a mandatory gear list. So I have the same for my, uh, Wendigo race too, right. You got to show up with this gear and on race day, I'm going to be there with a checklist in your name and I'm going to check it and I'm going to sign that page saying I saw it and you're going to sign the page saying that I saw it and uh, you better know how to use this stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't see, you know, if we look at the cycle tourism, tourism industry, the regular cycle tourism industry, we're not venturing way off from anything different if we're going to be guiding cycle trips. Uh, you know, you look at companies like Tour de Freak that are doing bike rides you know way out there bike rides in amazing places um yeah you're going to want insurance coverage and the more remote you're getting and the the higher the probability of something serious going down you're going to be paying more for insurance but these events that we're talking about should be able to get event uh coverage and insurance um you know from a, a couple of these sports oriented providers out there i i guess where i'm i'm taking this question is I'm curious whether you know it so for someone that's just organizing an event that you know doesn't have the education that you and I have um so there's there's you know obviously like we talked about there's a lot more events popping out this way I I, I feel kind of compelled from the Bike Pack Canada front to sort of lay some guidelines as far as like if you're going to organize an event like these are some of the things you need to probably have in place would you, you know, to someone starting up an event, would you say to someone that you need to research uh, insurance? Or would you say that the bike packer is the kind of person that, you know, all you need is a bomb-proof waiver and, and some standards, you know, whether it's gear or whatever, and, and that should be fine? What do you think on that? Yeah, it's a hot topic. <laughs> um I think I think where it's come from these events and and this sort of riding, you know, really that's where it, it stems in the backbone is uh, the backbone of it all is really the rider coming into it needs to be or we believe they are anyways that type of person that is prepared and uh, from a physical and mental standpoint uh, and they are willing to accept the risks, be it that they've signed a, a waiver or not. Um, and that's kind of what we have right now. That's the standard, right? That's where things are kind of sitting. Uh, and that next level, like you mentioned, of these events like 
you know, take for example the Alberta Rocky 700. Does it need to go to that next level as an organizer to provide insurance for those riders? That's that question's got to come down to I think some of the bigger players out there and and uh, insurance companies, and we need to go digging to see like, hey, you know how liable am I for a fully self-supported event where I'm really just providing a GPX route to people and I've told them what they should have, you know, that, that's the, that's the pending question right there is how liable is that person? And I can't give you uh, any sort of solid answer on that. That's, that's something that would need to be discussed uh, with, with a lawyer at the table and an insurance company at the table too, just to see. Because we are providing, in essence, we are providing a form of a, it's a product in itself, I suppose, uh, and a service to a certain extent. Um, but we are transferring a lot of that risk over to the rider or racer. Right. So, yeah. I, I'm thinking, you know, I, I think we're, we're going to be okay in Canada for a while, as, you know, assuming no one gets hurt. But um, I'm watching what's going uh, on in the u.s because there's obviously quite a few more riders quite a few more events and um you know quite a few more sponsors that sort of thing and and i think that's the key i think once uh sponsors and uh entry fees start coming into the mix then i think that's when you're going to see this evolve quite a bit and quite a bit more quickly um so i i think yeah i agree i think we're okay where we're at but um definitely let's we all need to have uh, some discussions with uh, people more in the know, lawyers, um, you know, other event organizers that have researched insurance, that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't intend to go down this route, but I figured, you know, someone that's in the, in the instructing standpoint and, uh, you know, liability comes into that conversation quite a bit. It'd be, be interesting to chat about that sort of thing. Yeah, certainly as it's, uh, it's in in a way it's a whole other can of worms that uh maybe a lot of people don't want to have to open but eventually it will uh it will need to come to uh discussion to the table anyways just to just to reach reach out and see what the options are gotcha all right cool well uh let's let's uh wrap it up here uh, you know you mentioned you're going to take on the colorado trail uh hopefully this year and do some uh, more uh, local scouting um, and, and you're saying that you're going to try to keep things growing with the, the Ottawa collective there and try to establish some, uh, trans, uh, province routes and, and extend further East. Um, are there, are there any other things to, to look forward to from, from yourself or the group? And, um, more importantly, do you think we'll, we'll get you out at the, the bike pack summit next year? Mm, yeah, it would have been nice to, uh, to get out to that summit i was i was looking at some of the information being uh uh spread throughout and uh with the busy school season that comes upon me here it's tough to get out in that time of year but you never know it could be a, a form of pd i suppose right <laughs> uh, so yeah hopefully uh come next fall it, it can happen um, and in terms of this area here and, and things continuing on, it's a fantastic bunch of folks at the Ottawa Valley Bikepack Collective here. So I think we're just going to keep pushing forward uh, with what we're doing now and, and try and keep scraping at the outer limits and establishing some nice routes for, for maybe folks in the West to come on out to Flatland here and, and uh, have some fun with. 
Cool. Well, I'll uh, I'll post a link to the the collective uh, in the podcast, and um, in return, I if you can start putting out the word to the group to put some of those GPX files or uh, route knowledge up on on the forum. I know there's there's a lot of ways we're getting information out there, but um, you know, just try to get some of it up on the the Ontario section. And uh, for us Westerners that are following the forum quite intently, um, you know, hopefully it will get some of us looking looking east when we think of uh, bike packing and and growing the scene. Sounds great, Ryan. Cool. Well, uh, thanks very much for your for your time, Cam. And uh, yeah, we'll keep the conversation going. <laughs>